Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning. How are we doing? Doing well? It's 2022. We're into two weeks. And uh, we're, we're here. So that's good. Amen. And we can see each other, other's faces, and that's good. And even the, the good-looking guy and the ugly guy on stage, you can see our faces. I mean, come on, man. God is in this today. And so, hey, yeah, man, I just want to say this. Our goal today is for you, if you walked in here during worship, and wasn't worship just an amazing time of just entering to God's presence? Come on, man. Yeah, it was awesome. So thank you, team. Here's the deal. Um, I just want to kind of start from where we were last week, and this is the second part of this series uh, called Let Your Nets Down, and, and really talking about Simon Peter and who he was biblically. And so uh, I love, this is the first time in 11 years we have ever gone through and looked at a character in the Bible. And so if you don't know, uh, you know much about Simon Peter, then hey, you're in a good place. Go listen to last week's message, listen through today, dig into the Word. Uh, I like I like the book of Mark. Uh, it's my favorite of all four Gospels. And you want to know why, if I can be really honest with you? It's the shortest. <laughs> so I, Luke is like, blah, 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 and Mark is just like, here it is, this is the point, do it, just take it. You know, and there's people that like stories and messages, and then there's other people that are like, just give me the points. And I'm the kind of guy, I love listening to other sermons and messages, but how many of you are like me where you play it at like one and a half or two times the speed? Anybody in here? Just me? A, a couple of, yeah, a couple of you. I do that, because I just, my life is so busy, and I just, I want to get what they have to say. So I want to uh, just start off this morning's message and uh, just just kind of a shout out this morning. And uh, we have something really cool that happened, and you might not know about this. The city of Nowthen, which we are currently in, and uh, a few months ago, the city of Nowthen uh, kind of had some stuff happen within uh, their structure and their leadership within the city. And I'm not here to say anything negative about anybody. I, in fact, I don't even know the whole story. But here's what did happen. The mayor of now then, Jeff Pylon, called me a couple months ago, and he said, Pastor Chris, would you please pray for me? And can I tell you, whenever you have a superintendent or a mayor or somebody that we consider a gatekeeper of a community ask you to pray for them, you pray for them. And so he called, and I mean, that's, that speaks volumes of us as a church, everybody, that the mayor would do that. And now I know Jeff is a, a Christ follower, and, and here's the cool part. So he called, and we're talking, and, and uh, we're praying, and I just want you to know that for me, when somebody, especially a strong Christ follower, asks for prayer, I don't want to stop there. And so we, I prayed for Jeff, and then I got off the phone, I said, what is it that you need? Like, what do you need? How can we be there for you as a church? And some of you don't know what happened. In fact, this was really cool. In fact, I learned last week that even more uh, has happened in this story. And so Jeff said, what took place was he said, uh, basically, I need staff. He goes, my entire staff and I have kind of done this. And so he stayed and the other staff had moved on. And for multiple reasons, which I don't need to get into, but I said, well, what do you need? And he goes, I need a couple staff members to come in in an interim process and just be here for the city. So I had just heard in our church a couple people that were saying, hey, we are in need of something, kind of a side hustle right now, something to do. Do you have any ideas? Well, in fact, I do. And so I hooked them up. Not And how many have like done that, but nothing ever happens from it, you know, right? And, and we do that all the time. And then I get a call from both of the people within our church, and they said, hey, 
Pastor Chris, I just want to thank you that, that you've connected us in not only in my interim, but they're actually bringing me on more hours, and we've been a support to the mayor. And so come on, church. That's our church that we're being a support to this city. And the mayor, come on, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what God is doing. And so these, these people in our church, and I don't want to speak out their name, uh, they're making a difference. They're making a huge difference. And I just want you to know that I believe God is not done with us, and he wants us to continue to make a difference in this community, in other communities, and in your heart this morning. My prayer is that God would make a difference in your heart, and maybe you can make a difference in someone else's heart this morning as you leave. So last week, we looked at Peter's calling. You know, his name was Cephas or Simon Peter. In other words, rock or one who hears from God. And we talked about him walking on water, which is one of my favorite stories. And uh, I I love that. You know, there's no, like, reason for him to have to do that miracle other than it just really cool, you know, hanging with Jesus. Let's go walk on water, man. Well, we talked about last week how when we are called by Jesus, as Peter was as a fisherman, we're to call on Jesus. And so we, we have this situation in our life where we go from floundering to a follower. And we looked at that. And so I don't know about you, but the last two years, I have felt like I floundered in, in my life. And if I have as, as a Christian, I'm sure you have as well. So how do we make a difference? How do we get back on track with what that looks like? Because if we look at it, Peter knew Jesus, right? Right? Didn't Peter know Jesus? Yeah. All right. Peter was discovering his purpose right, throughout his entire life, but I don't know that he had yet made the difference that God had for him yet to make. In fact, I, I don't have a picture of this this morning. I, I thought about this later, but last week, one of the slides I showed you was a picture of a date palm tree, and on that date palm tree, if you don't know the story, you can, you can Google it sometime, but 10 years ago, scientists discovered these seeds of date palm trees that uh, had been prehistoric, like they were, they were discovered, they were preserved perfectly, and so they planted them 10 years ago, and it wasn't up until this last year that they produced fruit. It's really cool. You can, I love when science proves the Bible true, man. Can I just tell you that? It's so awesome. But the purpose of that tree didn't come to be for at least 10 years, and now that's making a difference in scientific realms. And so my prayer today is that through what we're about to just unveil with you is that God uh, would reveal in your heart how you're called to make a difference in someone's life just as Peter was. Thanks, Dad. For, the, for those who are visiting, my name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here as well. This is not my dad, although he's old enough to be. Uh, it's fun. When we go on to pastoral retreats, we walk around and uh, we always sit down at a restaurant. And um, You have definitely been mistaken as my dad before, so... I'm, I'm thankful you shared that thing about the... I would rather be mistaken as his dad than something else. Anyway, I'm just moving on. Thank you for that addition. All right. I'm really thankful though you shared the thing about the, the 10 years and the date palm tree because I'm on year five of trying to grow a beard. So I'm holding out for five more years that I will eventually grow a beard and look my age. Sit down. Thank you. It was a bad idea for us to share the stage. Can I just tell you that? But it's going to be good because God wants to move anyway. So yes, uh, Chris mentioned it last week, but I find it so interesting that Peter, one of the 12 disciples, uh, a man who was notorious for putting his foot in his mouth and always saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. I think it's funny that we like to pick on him when he stepped out of the boat and started to walk after Jesus and then fell, when in reality the other 11 just sat there butt right in the boat and didn't move. 
It's so easy for us to pick on Peter and go, Peter made all these mistakes and Peter did all this stuff, but he's the only one who got out of the boat, which I don't blame them. The Sea of Galilee has 10-foot rollers. We don't have the nice nitro boats. We don't have the nice things back in 12 AD or whenever this happened. They were little tiny wooden canoes, and there's 12-foot rollers coming over. So it's no wonder they sat down in the boat. But I don't think it was because Peter stepped out because he was just notoriously silly or dumb or whatever you want to do. I think it's because he knew who God was and he knew what God could do through him. We look at this story when Peter's in this boat, and he's walking out of the waves because what happened was for the last six months, year or so, they have been watching Jesus literally do miracles right in front of their eyes. They knew God could do the impossible. They knew God could do all this crazy stuff, but it wasn't until Peter stepped out of the boat, they realized that they could do it too. And I think it's so interesting that nobody else got out of the boat. And I think it's not because they didn't know who God was. It's because they didn't know who they were through him. They didn't know that God could work through them, that God could do something cool in them. They knew who God was. They knew what he could do, but they didn't realize that by them saying yes to him, he could do something awesome. I think it's so interesting that, that Jesus picks Matthew, one of his other disciples. He was a tax collector. He was a dirty, slimy guy who just deceived people out of their money. He picked Luke, another one of his disciples, who was an intellectual. He was a doctor. He was educated. God used James, John, and Peter, who were fishermen. They were the blue-collar workers of the time. They were the guys who would just walk around and do the jobs nobody else wanted to do. But we looked at God even used someone like Moses, who had a speech impediment. Moses, who was, who was even scared to do anything for God because he doubted himself. God used David, the youngest sibling of the weakest tribe, of the weakest family, to go and slay a giant. God used Abraham, a man who was so old, he didn't think he could have kids. He didn't think he could be used by God. He used a man like Paul, who was literally, quite literally, a terrorist for the Christian faith. He made it his mission to decimate this idea of Christianity. Christianity. Do you see the theme that God uses to utilize? I don't see a theme. I don't see a theme. I don't see this is what you need to do. This is who you need to be to be used by God because I don't think there is one on purpose. God's not looking for a type. He's not looking for a personality. He's looking for an answer, and that answer is yes. He's looking for somebody who will simply say yes to him. Peter knew his purpose, but he didn't quite make a difference yet. And I think if we want to make a difference in this world like we all do, we have to know our purpose. That's right. Because if you want to make a difference, let me tell you something, you're going to find somebody who's more qualified than you. There are plenty more people who are more qualified than the two pastors on stage here. There are more people qualified to do your job. There are more people qualified to talk about your faith. There are more people that are qualified to do the very things that God's calling you to do. But he's not looking for the most qualified. God's looking for the one who will say yes to him. And he's looking to use the ones that are be willing to use. And Peter was that person. He was really good at saying yes to Jesus. And that is what made him a really good leader. It's good, man. Could end right there and be done. I mean, come on. That's good stuff. That's good preaching, dude. Um, you know, Peter is kind of a guy I want to be like. In fact, when I read the Bible, Peter, I don't know about you, but Peter is like who I see. And, and I, I sometimes speak things. You can ask Heather this. I speak things when I shouldn't. Yeah. You know, they just, yeah. they, they just come out. I, 
if you're a husband in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about, all right? You know exactly. But he is one of the most on-fire leaders that I've ever read about, biblically, historically. I mean, he was passionately pursuing his purpose in life. He wanted to fulfill that. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to step out in, in good ways and bad ways all the time. And so, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we use that phrase. I know when I was a youth pastor, we use that phrase with our kids all the time. I just want to be an on-fire Christian or an on-fire leader. But what, what does that mean? And, and really what that means is you think of on-fire, something that's burning, and, you know, when it's 10 below outside, that's really nice. And, and when something's on fire, what happens to the coals? Even the coals are still glowing. Maybe the fire's not burning, you know, too bright, but they're still there. And so maybe you feel like your fire's kind of kindled out a little bit. There's still those coals there. And so let God get a hold of those this morning, because what happens is even the glow of the coals, they will ignite things. They will start things on fire. I don't know if you've ever had a fire out at your place. And then the next morning you go out to see, and you put the fire out the night before you either put water on it or what I call campfire water. You can figure out what that is. And, uh, if you're a boy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a girl right now, you're confused. <laughs> ask your ask your husbands. And uh, you know, you go out there and the next morning, and it's it's there's still hot coals. You can put another log on there and it just it lights right up. And you go, what in the world? It's because I think sometimes we think that fire's out, but for Peter, it was never out. It was constantly glowing. I think when you have a strong fire, it ignites those around you so quickly. You know, that, that as a leader, they're not just those that are reading the Bible, they're studying the Bible, they're pursuing the Bible. And then they're living it out. They're, they're living it out. One of the things that I love is when we have people over and they get to see us outside of a church context, outside these four walls, and they're like, oh, you're, you're just like you are on stage. That's like one of my favorite things because here's the deal. For this guy too, both of us, we just want to be who we are. We're not, we're not pastors. We're not who our vocation is. We're who Christ says we are just as you are. We're all in that together. No one's higher here in this room. And so that's something we get to live out, uh, not vocationally, but through our purpose. Now, we're called to either be on fire for Jesus or not on fire at all. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, here we'll read this together, it says this. Uh, and this is, a, uh, this is basically what Jesus' words were to a church in Laodicea during this time. And we're not going to get into the study of Revelation right now, but just, just go with me here for a moment. It says, I know your deeds that you are neither what? Neither what? Cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm... Neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I love iced coffee. I used to not drink coffee, but I like iced coffee. Some of you love hot coffee. Is there anybody who just likes that room temperature coffee of the one that's been like sitting on your table for like a couple, a few of you? All right, you're weird. All right, so Peter was never lukewarm, ever. Like he, he made some really cool things happen and he was really stupid sometimes. But it was all either for Jesus or literally actually against Jesus. But not one time would you question where he was at. And we'll we'll unpack that in a moment. But we see him walking on water, which we talked about last week and today a little bit. We see him chopping off the dude's ear. I just love that. You know, he could have stabbed him. Come on. I mean, he's just like, he's just so far. You're stealing Jesus. You're taking Jesus to jail. Dude, he's just like, I'm going to whack off your ear, bro. Like, I, I love that story. I just, come on. You've all been there before. You've wanted to do it, right? We've all wanted to whack off some guys here. Okay, maybe just me. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. <laughs> wow, wow. We've all wanted to do that. But he, wasn't nev- he would never be accused of being lukewarm. Now, can I confess to you a sin? Is that okay? You're, all right, you're going to judge me right now. I guarantee you're going to judge me, especially you that are basketball lovers in here, and I know some of you are. Uh, and here's the deal. 
So last week, and by the way, just so you know, if any time my kids are in a message, I pay them five bucks. And I already told him, I said, I'm going to pay you ahead of time. And so he was really excited that he's in the message today. Well, last week, the Saints, I have uh, Justice, he plays ninth grade. And we were away at a different school. And I'm, we'll leave the school undisclosed. I don't want to pick on the name of the school. But I get there, and you had this line of people up of the other squad of that team, ninth grade teams. And they were playing the B-Squad game. And they're sitting here in their chairs right in front of me, like literally one foot from the court, on the court. And our guys would get up to shoot freeze, free throws, and these kids would be like, ah, ah, and they'd like jump onto the, onto the court. And, and, and like, I was doing okay for a little bit. I was standing back, and, and like, uh, for my surgery a year ago, still I can't sit long periods of time sometimes. And so I was, I, I kept getting closer because I wanted to throttle these kids. And so I, I got a little closer. And, and then they're like yelling at the refs and they're jumping up and the part of me is going, all right, Jesus, help me see it your way. Cause right now I'm not like, help me see it your way. You know, Jesus, I mean, if you want to kill them right now, I'm okay with that. But Lord, I, I just trust you. And I, I trust you, Lord, that you're going to take care of it. You're the judge, not me. And, and, but yet God, if you want to use me in that, I, I'm willing vessel. I will do whatever you ask, Lord, even if it is jail time. You know, if you want me to take that aluminum chair and, and just hit him in the neck a little bit, I'll, I'll do that Look, on the back of his head, whatever, God, I'll do what you ask me to do, Lord because you're in charge of my life, not me. It was a very selfish prayer. And uh, I'm looking at the kids here. And, and this, was, this was like, I, I wanted to jump in there. I wanted to do something. I wanted to be that parent. And that's the parent nobody wants you to be on the field, you know, or on the court. And so finally I had enough. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I felt stuck. So I was trying, I like walked down to the other side. And like justice is over here on offense. And I'm trying to get his attention like, 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 you know, when you're not supposed to talk to the kids when they play, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like, come here, come here. And he doesn't, he's so focused on shooting and doing what he's supposed to do, which is right, the right thing, that I go back and here they are on the bench. And this was the straw that broke daddy's back. Here's what, here it was. And so the kids, they'd stand up and they called a double dribble call on that team, our opposing team, and it was the right call. And these guys jump up out of their seats onto the court and they're, that's a bad call, ref, that's a bad call. And I'm going, I got a choice to make right now. And so I stood up. Oh, dude, I was so fired up. You've never been this fired up. Because I'm usually, usually pretty good. I'm not like those moms, okay? I'm a dad. But I, you don't mess with the mom. And so I, I stood up, and I just, they're like, bad call, ref. And as loud as I possibly could with everybody there. That was a great call, ref! <laughs> they shut up and sat down. But here's the deal. For, for like one minute, they did. Not that sinful yet, other than my desire to kill him. But I went over to, I don't want to just hurt him. Anyway, um, I called Heather and I said, just pray that I don't end up in jail and do something I'll regret for the rest of my life because I'm so mad right now. And the, and the team they were opposing was so physical and so like against them that I went up to justice. And this is my part that I'm confessing to you. We all have sin. And as a pastor, sometimes you get the wonderful privilege of confessing yours to utilize it as a point in your message. Which, <laughs> I go up to justice at the end of the game. And, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say this to you. But this is what I said. And you can ask him. He's helping the kids right now. And I said to Justice, I said, I will pay you. <laughs> and don't judge me yet. You can judge me in a moment. <laughs> don't get it. You're ahead of me. I said, I will pay you $20 to get a technical foul. And then the tables turned on me as I felt as the worst Christian or leader ever in the world. My son, Justice, looks up at me in the eyes. And he's just staring. And he goes, Dad, I can't do that, nor will I. 
right? I was never so disappointed in my son in all my life. I was very proud of him. I was very proud of him. Are we passionate about living our purpose and making a difference? Are we passionate about the right thing? Picked a bad day to have aluminum chairs up here. Good grief. We're going to get whacked in the, with the aluminum chair now. At least they're plastic. All right. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. From the moment that Peter sees Jesus, interacts with Jesus, he knows his purpose. He knows what he's supposed to do. His purpose at that point was to follow Jesus. His purpose at that point was to give his all to him. I love that it says at once they left their nets. This wasn't just like a flippant decision like, hey, do you want to go grab a burger? Yeah, let's go. This is a grab your nets, leave them there, and walk away. This was walking away from every single thing that Peter knew. Peter was a fisherman by trade. It's what he grew up watching his dad do. It was his entire livelihood. And so to just get up, leave everything there, and walk away from anything secure, anything comfortable, anything that was set in stone was a massive leap of faith. And I think it was because of this that Peter was so brash, where he just is chopping off ears and he's walking on water, was because he knew his purpose, unequivocally, without any doubt, was to follow God to the ends of the earth. His purpose was to follow God. His purpose was not to be a speaker, not to be an evangelist, not to be a church planner. That was not his purpose. His purpose was to follow God with his every single thing. And I love we see another story of this in Luke chapter 5. Remember, Luke is the doctor here, so he's like Chris. He talks a lot, okay? So there's, this is a longer thing of a, of a similar story, but I think it's very, very pertinent. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also the same name as Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. The Minnesota fisherman said, Amen. Can I just tell you, as someone who I've been hunting with my dad since I was five years old, all right? And so in my super humility, um, I, I'm always respectable of what my dad, and I never question any single thing he does, right? Like there's always those moments where it's like, Dad, I think we should go here. And he goes, yeah, that's a good idea. No. My dad's super awesome and super supportive, right? But there's always this moment, I think, like where Peter's going, where my dad, I want to go here. And I think this is where the ducks are. This is where we're going to go. And my dad's like, no, we're going to go over there. And as the son, I'm like, all right, old man, let's go and do your way. And then I'm just grumping over. This is a bad spot. All the ducks are over there. All is good over there. And then I have this Peter moment right here. 
Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When we do the super, or sorry, when we do the natural, God does the super. When we do the thing that God calls us to do and we are just obedient in the small things and we do what's natural, God will do what's supernatural. We're going to see here in a second that Peter got to experience some really, really cool things that God did. He got to experience and be right there in the moment. But what is so important is that Peter did what God called him to do no matter what it was. I love this story because everything in Peter's mind told him that there are going to be no fish down there. Everything that Peter knew is said, no, we were all night long. There's no fish there. We fished that area dry. There's no fish there. It's not normal for us to go and put down our nets here. But because you say so, Jesus, I will put them down. And he brings up so many fish that he can't even comprehend them all. We don't need to search high and low for God because he's already here. That's right. We don't need to try and do everything to earn God and strive to get God's attention. Be like, God, I'm down here. God, I'm here. God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what's my purpose? God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I, where should I go? Where should I be? We don't have to beg and plead and ask God to come into our life because he's already here. He's in this room. He's with you. When you say yes to him, he comes into your life. And so our purpose is not what we do. It's who we are. That's right. Our purpose is to follow God and be his sons and his daughters and do what he calls us to do. And that is our purpose. And when we do that, things begin to shift. You know, I was just thinking about that story that you just shared in Luke, who's very wordy, um, which, thank you, I can relate to. Uh, never give a pastor a microphone. But in in that, let's just imagine, what if he had like a hummingbird or a vexlar, you know, like in that day? But but just just go with me. If you don't know what that is, it's a fish finder, electronic fish finder with sonar. And, and he's on like one side of the boat and he puts down, you know, his little transducer to see if the fish are there. Here's my question. This is what I was thinking as you were preaching is, is if, you know, Jesus told him, put your nets on the other side of the boat where it's deeper. If he had a vexlar, and he put the transducer on the other side of the boat, would he see the fish before he dropped the net? I was just wrestling with that as you're preaching, man. So I don't have an answer for you. I was just like, maybe it's just a faith journey. And like you say, God's everywhere. Even when we can't see him, we still know he's there. I don't know. You just, you just brought that to my attention this morning. All right, where are we here, dude? Where am I? Are we here? Or is that you? No, that's me, cocooned a butterfly. All right, that's my next point. Here we go. All right, so after, after Peter confesses Christ, G, this is really cool. You're going to like this. Jesus brings James, John, and Peter to one of the coolest things ever, and that's known as the transfiguration. If you don't know what the transfiguration is, it's like a cocooned a butterfly. It's basically where you see something for who he is in his actual glory. And for the first time, they were able to see Jesus transformed. They saw him like glowing. They saw him looking angelic. He's not an angel, but they saw him as the Son of God is, okay? Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 4. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up the mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. Just Could you imagine that? All right? 
who were talking with Jesus. So here's the patriarchs of the past. They show up. They got this whole like little small group going on with people that are dead, Jesus, and these new disciples all hanging out on the top of this mountain. And, and let me just, for those of you that have been Christians a long time, and you're going, man, I, need, I want some depth. Let me give you a little depth here just for a moment. And uh, the transfiguration is actually completely paralleled with the entire book of Exodus, if you don't know this. And so let me just give you a little theology here this morning, a little study of God. You see, Moses in the Exodus ascends to Mount Sinai. In the book of Mark, Jesus goes high on this mountain as well. Moses takes up only Joshua with him, his closest. Jesus takes his closest, you know, three with him as well. Moses comes down, and I don't know if you remember this, the people couldn't even look at his face because it was shining so bright. Jesus is transfigured, the same thing, it's bright. Cloud comes over the mountain and God speaks in thunder to Moses and Joshua. The same way here, while Jesus is being transfigured, God speaks from the cloud and says, this is my son. And so why, why is that, what's, who cares? Yeah, that's, that's a great little nugget of theology, but who cares? Why is that important? Because Jesus is literally declaring himself as what's known as the new exodus or the savior of the world. He was fulfilling the Old Testament saying, you don't have to follow that stuff anymore. Follow me. And he was showing, and I'm going to prove it right now to you because I'm going to become who I am. How many of us in this room have yet to become who God has called us to be? Are we shining all the glory that God has for you and I? Because it wasn't because of Moses, it was because God in Moses. Mark chapter 9, verse 5, Peter says this, and I love this. Peter's just crazy. He goes, and I just picture like a hippie guy saying this. Okay, I really do. And, I, and it's probably, you know, he's saying this obviously in Greek, but it's like, dude, Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi, so good for us to be here. <sighs> Let us put up three shelters, dude. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That's how I picture it, okay? Why did he say this? Okay, literally because he's kind of dumb, honestly. Like, he's, he's like, let's put up some homes for you guys. Let's make a community out of this. Let's do this. Why did he do this? And this is what I love. This is how Peter handles himself when he's scared to death. In fact, the next verse says he, Peter, did not know what to say because they were frightened. I just love it. So he's like, um, let's build a house. Let's, let, let, you got, you know, let's, let's get some coffee. Like, let's do something. You guys want to play cribbage? Like, let's do something. And, and I love that Peter was open-hearted. He was bold. He was enthusiastic. And can I just say the church needs more Peters. Amen. Go ahead. And more cribbage. Did you ever have that long of hair, or was that just purely a... My parents wanted me to have a rat tail and steps once, and I hated Sweet. it. Sweet. So I think we got to bring that back. Heather says no. Sorry, you're out, man. Well, some of us can grow it if we had a choice, but some of us can't. You don't have to be mean. I have feelings too, you know. Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I think it's so interesting that Jesus' final remarks are wait. He says this on the, like, the last thing before he goes up into, the, up into heaven to be with God forever. He says, hey, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem and do nothing but just wait for the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that's really tough to do? Have you ever tried to sit at home and just do nothing? No phone? No reading? Just sit in your, your chair for 10 minutes? I tried it once. I made it 10 seconds. 
You know, I, I have two small kids, and sometimes it's like, oh, silence would be awesome. And then you sit there, and you're like, this silence is deafening. Waiting can be hard, especially when God wants you to do things and, and go and be things. He says, wait, for this very reason. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It doesn't say this, but they were waiting. They were doing what God said. They were waiting. When suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is where we insert our Assemblies of God theology and tell you how to prophesy in tongues right here. All right, So everyone grab out your notebook really quick. Tongues can get weird. So we're not even going to mention it right now. But what happens here is the Holy Spirit is filling them with power. And if you're not familiar with that, it's purely we have God the Father who's up in heaven. We have God the Son, Jesus, who's like our brother who we can empathize and we can see. But then we have God the Holy Spirit who literally dwells inside each of us. God within us. And we have power with that. And we see this power where it comes awesome things. Acts chapter 2. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Peter was a man who literally chapters before, when asked to share his faith with boldness and power to a little girl that was half his size, that was maybe like 10, 12 years old, he got scared. Like Chris just talked about, he got scared and he ran away and said, I don't even know Jesus, don't talk to me about Jesus. Because if I talk to him about Jesus, I'm going to jail. Three different times he denies Jesus because he's scared. Yet chapters later, we see he stands up in front of thousands. And the story ends where it says 3,000 people gave their lives to God because of Peter's boldness to stand up in front of a group. If we want to make a difference for God, if we want to make a difference in our life, we need to know him and know our purpose through him. But we also got to have the power that he gives and when we wait and let God fill us, we have that power. But then like I can say the hardest part is doing something with it. It's stepping out in faith and doing what God's called you to do. Will you put up that last verse I have out of Acts? It's like two verses there. That's oh, the next one. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. Thanks, man. Uh, so this is again... Peter right here and uh, <clears throat> this is not chapter 1 that's my mistake uh, this is later on in Acts and this is Acts 15 my, my apologies some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and they said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses I don't know if you realize this but this council that happened over 2,000 years ago if they would have decided against this then today we would have been practicing the law of Moses in the churches and requiring circumcision as one of the ordinances. Because of this history 2,000 years ago, and because of the men who we're talking about in the month of January, thank God we don't have to do that as a religious act. We simply have to do the next thing that Peter says. You can read the six verses in between here, but verse 11, it says, no, Peter says this, no, we believe, say it with me, come on, read with me. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Doesn't have to do with circumcision. Doesn't have to do with following the law, but simply faith alone. That's it. Salvation alone. It's through him. 
This is the impact that Peter made. This is the difference that he made 2,000 years ago that impacts our very service today, the services of other churches right now. He didn't know it at the time. He didn't know the impact. You know, Derek just talked about him denying Christ, and yet he makes this impact. Maybe you have felt like you've denied Christ. Maybe you have felt like you don't have it together. If you've, you have a, a closet sin issue or something, you're going, well, there's no, I got to fix all that before God can use me. I want you to see something right here. They didn't have to fix it, get circumcised, do the law before God could utilize them. God still wants to utilize you wherever you're at to make a difference. I think sometimes you read the Bible, we read about Peter, people like Peter. Because I wish I had that influence. I wish I had that impact. I wish I had that boldness like he does. You know what's, I think, really, really cool? Is Jesus had his 11 disciples... He had his 12, but Judas betrayed him, so he added one more. We see what happens in Acts chapter 2. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go out into the world. They, they start talking about Jesus. They start spreading his message. So what they would do is Peter and all of his comrades, all of his disciples would go to various towns and plant a church and say, all right, hey, you're, you're passionate about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Oh, cool, that's awesome. Let's start a church together. They would start a church, and then they would take off and go do the same thing again. And a lot of times we look at the disciples and go, man, they're awesome. They're great men of faith. They're fantastic. But I, can I tell you, they left. They went to plant a different church. And it was up to the local church to grow. They planted the seeds. But the local church and the people that made it up it are the ones that made it survive. And they let God continually to pour into them. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. We can look at people like Peter and say, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Jesus, that we have what we have now. But church, can I tell you, Pastor Chris and I are thankful that we get to share this stage and we get to speak to you every week. But God has just as much intention and desire for you to make an impact in this world as him and I. You don't have to have a stage, a microphone, skinny jeans to be impactful, okay? You just need to say yes to him. And you need to understand that you get to take God with you into your workplace, into your office. You get to go into your office or your job tomorrow. And that coworker of yours that's going through a really tough time, you get to pray for them under your breath. You get to have a conversation with them that is life-giving. You get to go into your office and that person, that coworker behind you who's going through a rough time, you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and pour into them and encourage them and love them through this tough time. And when they ask why you're doing it, all you have to say is, you know what, I just believe that God's got plans for you. You get to go into your home and you get to go after God. Can I just tell you the coolest thing that happened in my week this week, the coolest thing ever was when my son Ellis was watching a YouTube video on his iPad. And this little boy on the iPad, he's reading a book. He looks at me and goes, Dad, he's reading the Bible. He wasn't reading the Bible, but can I tell you, Ellis had saw dad and mom in the mornings reading their Bible. I don't teach him about the Bible. I don't do anything about him. He gets to catch everything that happens. So can I just tell you, in your homes, you don't need to just shove Jesus down your kids' throats. You get to go after God with all that you are. And they get to watch that happen. If you're looking for perfection to, to walk out God's will, you've, you've found the wrong God. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for yes. 
So this morning, Pastor Chris and I, we are thankful for men like Peter. We're thankful for a God who loves us exactly where we are. But we are excited for what St. Francis is going to look like in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Because it's not going to grow because of us. It's going to grow because you guys are impacted by God and you take him with you out of this place. He's already working in St. Francis. It's up to us if we're going to speak up. He's already stirring the hearts of our coworkers, of our family members. Will we wait and be filled and speak out? Will you pray with me this morning? I want to pray for three things. The first thing I'm going to pray for is for those who, like Pastor Chris was talking about, that maybe they need to make things right. Maybe they're new to God or they feel like they messed it up. I'm just going to pray for you that you would just welcome God back into your heart because he, he is so excited to be a part of your life again. And no amount of shame or guilt can keep him away from you. The second thing I want to pray for is that we would just wait and make it a point to hear from God for what he wants us to do. And the third thing is for the courage to act it out because they happen sequentially. If we act out before we hear from God, we're just acting in vain. So God, I pray for every single person in this room, every single person that's at home that is watching right now, every single person, God, that's going to be listening back later. God, for those that are listening that feel like they're too far away from God, feel like they don't qualify, they don't measure up, there's no way they could possibly be your son or your daughter because of this. Jesus, I pray that you would wipe that guilt away. You would wipe that condemnation away because it is not from you. God, I pray that the people in this room would know that you love them, that you care for them, that you're with them. And for those that are on the fence that want you and they want to be, want you to be a part of their life, I pray, God, that they would just say, Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. Jesus, I know I've got sin. But God, would you forgive me and come be a part of my life? And you're there, Jesus. And for every single person, God, whether they are in a season where they need to sit and wait and hear from you, or whether they know what they're supposed to do, but they just need the courage to act it out, Jesus, I pray that just like Peter, God, that we would walk through this life hand in hand with you. God, it doesn't matter how many mistakes we make. It doesn't matter what we do. All we have to do, God, is just simply follow you. And even like the fish in the nets where the things seemed impossible, I pray, God, that when we step out in faith and say yes to you, even when things seem impossible, that you would move. Give us the courage, Lord, to walk out these doors, to see this church grow. Not because we desire growth, but because we desire for you to grow in people. God, we are excited for what you want to do. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.